we are going to move into a time of um, listening, um, focusing on what Chris has got to bring us about prayer today. Um, I want to give you all a map, as we've been saying, about a journey in prayer. Today, Chris is sharing his journey in prayer, and there's a map which he'll, he'll be traveling around while he speaks to us, which looks like this. Um, so you're each going to get a copy of this map, just as a reminder of different ways that you could try praying, different adventures in prayer that you can go on. Um, Anna, would you like to, maybe a few people, take a pile, get them to the ends of the rows, maybe? Thank you. Um, and then anyone who would like to, uh, just to help you kind of really figure out what Chris is saying, I've got some Lego figures. <laughs> and maybe as Chris is speaking, you can imagine Chris is your Lego figure traveling around your map. <laughs> so whatever he may be talking about, pop him in that position on your map. And, um, and then see how far he gets and what journey he goes in, um, whether he's jumping around or going in a nice street, straight, simple journey. You'll find out. So come and grab a Lego figure if you'd like to do that as you're listening. Um, Chris, can I invite you up and we'll pray for you? Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've placed on Chris's heart to share with us today. We thank you for his experience of prayer um, and that you've um, helped him grow in this area. And we thank you that um, we can learn from Chris, from you this morning. And we just ask your blessing on him. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. This is the microphone that works. I thought this was really an inspired idea. Using prayer, scripture to pray, praying to overcome, being in God's presence, praying in tongues, praying with others, praying on your own in a special place, intercessory prayer, and listening to God. Prayer is like a vast island. There's many different types of terrain, many different places to explore. And I think we can explore prayer in different ways. You may say, well, I don't like praying. To say you don't like praying is like saying, I don't like food. All of us like food. We need food. Different kinds of food we do like. There's some that we don't like. But prayer is like that. There are many different aspects to it. So what I thought I would do is share a few of my experiences in my long, long life. Uh, here's a question for you. Who taught you to pray? Where did you learn how to pray? For me, there were two women. One was my mother. I'll start with her. Can you remember praying with your mum or your dad as a little child? God bless mummy, God bless daddy, God bless Patrick and Mike and Pammy, and make me a good boy, that sort of prayer. By the bedside. I think what it did for me was make me believe in God. I didn't have much concept of what God was like, but at least there was that sort of relationship established. Praying with my mother by the bedside. And then going to Quaker meeting. Quaker meetings held in silence largely, and then people would stand up and pray, or they'd say something that they felt the Lord was giving them. I remember feeling God's presence sometimes in those meetings. It was very quiet, but there was a real sense that God was there. One time, I remember as a teenager, 
it was so intense, I had to leave. I just couldn't be there. It was like a thick presence of God. And this was really before I, before I really knew much about the Lord. But there was, the Lord was there, and I could talk to him and, and be with him. Later on, there was a crisis in my life when I was about 16. I've, I've mentioned that before uh, when I've spoken. But I was really a very fearful person as a child. I couldn't stand up in front of anybody and speak like this. I couldn't read out. You know, in the class, you have to read out halls. You'll turn next to read and you read. And I would stutter and stammer and I'd just be sweating all over, dreading for when the teacher would say, halls. Read the next section. Did any of you have that? Very fearful as a child. Fearful of animals. Fearful of dogs. Um, still nervous, but really fearful. Afraid to go to a, my best friend's birthday party. Just nervous, shy. Um, when I was 16, baptized in the Spirit and started to speak in tongues. And that really changed my life uh, dramatically. Went to university at Bristol, walking across the downs. Sometimes there were these dogs on the loose. And I remember several occasions where dogs would be running up. And I'd be, I would pray in tongues loudly, and I'd see the dogs turn heel and go away. <laughs> I don't know whether that's because they caught a closer sight of what I looked like or... Or it was just exercising authority, praying in tongues. My mother used to help me. She said, Chris, whenever you see an ambulance, pray in tongues. I've tried to do that ever since, especially when I'm on my own. But praying in tongues when there's a situation of need. When you don't know what to pray for. I'm not going to be mentioning many scriptures, but here's one I wanted to draw our attention to. It's 1 Corinthians 14 verse 5. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. It's praying in the spirit. We are not alone when we pray. God is with us and wants to help us in our prayers. And God wants to inspire us in our prayers. As many of you know, we went to Kenya uh, sent out by the church to teach in a Bible college in Nairobi. I was at my mother's house, my parents' house in Oxford, and one Christmas day morning, I came down on my own to pray. And just a sense of God being there, and then suddenly this thought popped into my head about going to Nairobi to preach, to, to teach in a Bible college where we had friends already going, uh, who were there. And it was as clear as anything, that resolution to stop. I was working for ISCA at the time um, to go to Kenya. I learnt that later that day, that very day, Christmas Day in Nairobi, one of the teachers on the college, an American, he, he, uh, he quit, he resigned. And so there was a teaching vacancy on the staff. And it was like I'd heard from God, and within, I think, nine months, we were there 
um, settled in as a family. A dramatic sort of move, but it, it came as a result of listening to God, receiving guidance. Sometimes prayer can be exceptionally dry, and we go through seasons, we wonder, what on earth are we doing? Are, we just, are our words bouncing off the ceiling? Well, this is something I did 30 years ago. And it was, what I did was I took a verse from the New Testament about prayer. And I went through every single verse, and I would just write down my thoughts about that verse. Hundreds and hundreds of references to prayer in the Bible. But it was just a very helpful way of helping me. We've gone through the Lord's Prayer, haven't we? Matthew 6 and Luke 11. Jesus gives the prayer twice. But to take a phrase from it, to write it out, just the act of writing it out was helpful. And then just chewing it over, thinking about what it means. Using the scripture in prayer. That's very helpful. A book that I've found really good about prayer is, um, last week we recommended uh, Pete Gregg's book, wasn't it? Uh, what was that? How to Pray. He's done several on that. This is a book I found very helpful. When I pray, what does God do? When I pray, what does God do? I, I think sometimes it's incredibly difficult for God to answer our prayers. Because... We're often praying about people and their will to change. And how does God doesn't coerce, coerce and force people to change their minds and do things they don't want to do. He has to work very subtly. But God is active by his Holy Spirit. When we were young, and there was a, a, one of four children, my grandmother lived with us, as, and the mum and dad, and someone had a prayer, a prophecy for us as a family. They saw like a necklace, different beads. And one by one, these beads were being threaded onto the necklace. So, my mother was the first one to really give her life to the Lord. And then us children, the four children, gradually came on board. And like strings, like on that necklace. Last of all, my dad, perhaps the biggest one, added to the necklace, and the necklace was complete. But that promise in, of this lady who prophesied was uh, probably 20 years coming about. But it happened. So I know many of us are praying for loved ones who don't know the Lord, or perhaps knew him once and have wandered away. It is hard for God to change somebody. It is incredibly hard because he will not force himself upon anyone. So we're praying that God will change their circumstances, sometimes cause them difficulties and problems so that in their misery and despondency they will turn to God. And that is his severe mercy, that is his kindness because often it's when things are really bad that people turn to God. I had this idea as a teenager that uh, it was good to pray for a long time. I, I don't know whether this thought is inspired or not, but I had this idea that when you pray, you leave off where you started, where you left last time. 
So there's a progress. I had this idea of a journey, that we're journeying in prayer. So what did I do? Well, this was in the days before internet and YouTube and all the rest of it. So I'd, I put on Handel's Messiah. had a record player in my bedroom, and there were three LPs. And I don't know if you know Handel's Messiah, but it takes you through the story of Christ. And uh, I gradually came to love the music and to identify. And it was more like a meditation and being with the Lord through the different events of Christ's life. You know, ending up with a hallelujah chorus and so on. But sometimes music is a great help. It certainly helped me. I said there were two women who has helped me to pray. One was my mother. The other was a lady called Joan Steele who lived out a few miles from Oxford where we lived in a little village called Dead Denton near Cudston. And she was a great prayer warrior. She was in her 60s, I suppose, when I first met her as a teenager. But every Monday, she held, Monday and Friday, she held a prayer meeting. And I have never been in a prayer meeting like it. And it, it sort of really caught my imagination for prayer like nothing else. I haven't been in prayer meetings like it since, actually. It was high-octane, high-powered. It was intercession, intercession. It was really like prayer I'd never experienced before. You actually felt that you were going to work when you went to this prayer meeting. You felt that things were accomplished, that things wouldn't be the same again, having prayed. There was a lot of prayer in tongues. For those of us who speak in tongues, it's a, or if you don't, it's a prayer language. It's a way, a gift of God, to help us communicate in prayer better. Perhaps you've experienced this, but you're praying in tongues, and then suddenly your language will change, and something will come to mind that you need to pray for. And it can become like a prayer burden and a weight. And, you, and there's an intensity about this. And then as you persist in prayer, it's, it's a form of spiritual warfare. Um, you get the sense that you're coming up against an obstacle that needs removing. And then you speak authoritatively in tongues or in English. And you have an idea of what you're praying for. And then there's that sense of relief. The burden lifts and there's a breakthrough and you feel, wow, something's been accomplished. And I remember one occasion, I was on my own this time, praying and praying about something that came into my mind and feeling, gosh, if I do nothing else, it's rather hard to say because I felt as if my life would have counted. I'll have done something that has changed things. So God does use us in prayer, and those are very special times, very important times. But I would encourage us all to use that prayer language if we, if we have it. So, where have we visited? We've talked about being in God's presence, sensing God's presence in the, in, in the meeting place in, in, as a Quaker, 
praying on my own in a special place in the bedroom, listening to Handel's Messiah, listening to God, um, guidance for going to Kenya, using scripture to pray, going through verses of the New Testament to help me and, and inspire me, praying in tongues, a, a decisive moment in my life, praying in tongues when, when you hear an ambulance, and think there's a need there, we can pray into that. Praying to overcome my fear of dogs and these running across the downs in Bristol, rebuking them in the name of Jesus to go away from me. <laughs> Intercessory prayer on a Monday night. Those are those precious times. Um, because I just go back to this, this lady. Um, she had a remarkable impact upon a whole range of people, including uh, quite a number of, of Catholic priests in Oxford. And it helped, actually, was used in, in uh, very formatively in the Catholic Pentecostal movement. Although you would never read of this lady in any book, she was very much beneath the radar, but she had this enormous prayer ministry over many years. Lastly, praying with others. Something that uh, I would recommend that you do, um, if you're married particularly, marry, pray with your spouse. Jan and I pray every day together, read a chapter or two of the Bible, and we pray. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's half an hour. But Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. It's one of the most powerful forms of prayer. Husband and wife agreeing together, synergizing, praying together. Um, sometimes it doesn't feel very inspired. It's, it's dutiful. Praying for family members. Remember Job who said he, it, he would rise early to pray for his children lest they had done anything wrong. And so he would cover their sins. So praying for family members. Sometimes it's, it's sort of bread and butter type prayers and sometimes you feel it's more inspired. But good to do. Praying with others. Well, have we visited everywhere on the island? Perhaps we have. But uh, each of us has our own little journey in prayer. Um, we grow in prayer. We mature in prayer. It's, we can't say, I've cracked it. I'm just a beginner. Sometimes I feel so hopeless in prayer. It's like, oh, I'll go back to the very beginning. I'll go back to the Lord's Prayer and start all over. And... Um, but it's, it, it's, it is like a, an exploration. It is like oh, tasting different types of food. It's, there's so much more that's uh, available to us, different ways of praying. So let me encourage us in that. So let's pray, shall we? The disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of prayer. Thank you for the miracle of prayer that you have chosen to give us this way of talking to you and listening to you. We want to pray for ourselves that you deepen and mature our prayer life, that you'd make it real where it's rather stale and rather dusty. Help us, Lord. Pray for your insights, your wisdom. Pray that scripture would become alive to us. 
so that we pray in accordance with your will, as we pray according to Scripture. Help us, Lord, and Lord, you know the things that uh, challenge us about prayer. And we pray for your grace to help us, each one. We pray for our children, that you would help them in their journey of prayer. Help them, Lord, for prayer to be real and not just saying prayers, but really experiencing prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.